Okay, here we are on November the 12th, 2015, at the Science Fiction Club meeting, and we're talking about the Abyss Beyond Dreams by Peter F. Hamilton. And it was a long book. It's the first half of the Fallers saga, which I don't know where the second half is yet, but anyway... Uh, we'll go around and see what people thought about the book, and I'll tell you what we thought, and we'll tell you about what we thought here in a little bit. Okay. Well, this is Sherry. I really like Peter F. Hamilton, but I must say I'm glad I read the Void Trilogy and the Commonwealth Trilogy before this book. I'm not sure. You didn't have to read those to get this book, but I think it helped to some familiarity with some of the characters and stuff like that. I did like this book. I didn't like it quite as well as those other two trilogies, but I did like it, and I'm looking forward to seeing what happens in the next one. Okay. Um, I, uh, it was so complex. Uh, it really, you know, I, I, I sort of, I, I read it, finished it several weeks ago, and I sort of forgot some of this. I was re- uh, skimming back over some of it, and uh, it, I remember reading about Sheldon and Ozzy and, and some other books that we had read. I don't remember the name, but you know, it's one of those by him. So brought that, and also uh, uh, Paula was in some of the other books also. I thought that it, they perhaps he's perhaps spent too much time on the revolutionary thing and you know, on that the name of the planet. I forget the name now, and the, uh, I, I thought perhaps he, he spent too much time. On that, and I almost forgot why you know what, why there were what was going on in the, initially. But apart from that, it, it's it's really a challenging book. It's quite you know quite as I say quite profound, quite complex. Well, I as I remember it, I didn't like the first Peter Hamilton book we read particularly, and I didn't like this one. I only got about, got into it. I got I quit at the point where. The lady um, had just landed on the planet, and then her, a duplicate capsule came down, and she screamed, and they shifted to another thing. And at that point, I just threw up my hands in disgust. Um, part of the problem was the fact that they had the page numbers in it. Uh, it's hard enough to listen to a barred book, even with voices, without having the page numbers, but... Um, I just gave up on it. I didn't even bother finishing. Well, of course I liked it. And Marshall, I do understand what you're saying. I almost quit after, when, of course, I read it a while ago. But I did. I almost quit about that part, too. And actually, I almost quit when the aliens were eating that lady cracked her, ate her hands and cracked her knuckles and bit her leg. I'm like, okay, I don't know if I want to read this or not. That was pretty violent. And I thought, well, <clears throat> and then when, like you said, when um, when that lady uh, was killing, um, basically she was killing her doppelganger or whatever you call it, I was like, what? Where is this going, you know? And, but then I'm actually glad I stuck with it because it got into, of course, as Martin said, it got into some characters that I knew and liked. And, um, of course, like I said, I liked it. I didn't, um, it was a good book. 
I'm actually looking forward to the next one. Um, I have some theories about how things will go, but I don't know because I didn't expect it to end the way it did. I actually expected it to end with, um, you know, them getting back to the regular time and um, him and uh, Nigel and uh, I forgot her name. I don't want. No, I, want, I keep wanting to say Melanie, and I know that's not the right name because I'm thinking of the other book. But I expected, I expected a different ending. Well, I liked it quite a lot. I think I agree with Sherry, though. I don't think I liked it quite as much as the Pandora Star and Judas Unchained. Um, and I think it might have helped to have to be. Um, to have read the Void trilogy a little bit. Um, it's, I mean, he kind of drops you into the Void trilogy. He kind of drops you into the Void with Eddard as well. He kind of just, and that's not unusual with science fiction books. They kind of throw you in and, and kind of, you get, you kind of get to know things as you go along. They don't, they don't say, now here, this is what happened. This is what this is. And this is what that is. Um, but it still may have helped, and I'm still, believe it or not, I'm confused about the chronology of things, because this is supposed to be a prequel, but if not either, so which means that either Nigel fails to destroy the Void at the end of the second book, which is what he had planned to do in the end of the first book, and it didn't work, or he doesn't, which means that we have five books in the Void, and none of them have managed to destroy this thing, which is... I'm not sure that's a good way to go, which means he's going to have to do more or else drop it. Um, one of the two. But I still, I, I, and I actually agree with Martin, I think, a little bit. They spent quite a lot of time on the revolution, and I wasn't quite as thrilled with that either. And it really did almost cause me to forget who was at the beginning. Then they get back to Nigel and Cassandra, and they go into the desert, and then things really start going along, moving along. I like it then, and um, so I I agree that it had some flaws. It wasn't quite as fabulously great as the Commonwealth Saga, but I still liked it, and I really, really want to find out. I still really want to find out what happened, uh, what happens in the next book, Tweety. Um, I didn't like this book because I like to read books that have conflict and stuff, but I want to be inspired by my reading. And there were no characters um, that I cared about. You know, there. Um, I know that Nigel had a job to do, and he did it, and it was. It, it seemed very robotic. Um, I was sad about the teenage girl because you know it was coming of age, but he systematically. Um, took away all of her scruples and her, you know, it seemed like her compassion. He just whittled away by watching, you know, she she watched these eggs attached to people or people being absorbed and, um, you know, he had these these people that he kind of hypnotized to, to be inclined to follow all of his instructions and um, there was, there was, it's, I need heart in my books, and I didn't find any heart. There was too much violence, um, the eating, you know, taking a bite of that lady's leg. Some stuff just was very upsetting, and 
Um, I was I I bailed it about the last three or four hours because, and and it, then when Evan told me about the ending, there never did seem to be any saving grace. They just went on their way, and now we're waiting for book two. Well, hello. I'm late, but here I am. <laughs> um, I thought it was okay, but I thought it was much too long, <clears throat> and I thought, as I do with many of these books these days, there was just too much of it, and um, I thought the ending was okay. I mean, at least we got rid of Trevine and or whatever his name was, um, and the palace and all that stuff, and I am glad that Laura and her ship got out of that big time loop that, you know, at least she got rescued from that and all that. But generally, I thought the thing was just too long, and it dragged on way too much, and they should have cut it in half. I think the ending would have been a little more powerful. I'm not sure how you could have cut it in half, but I I can see that it would have been okay with me for it to maybe be a little bit shorter. Although I really did enjoy the book. Um, I, I guess... One of the things that um, that I thought, which is different than what, um, Lucy, I think it's you that said this. Um, I felt like that she, that Cassandra, made an, had an influence on the guy, and I can't remember his name, unfortunately, and it's embarrassing because I just got through reading this book about a half an hour ago, um, but. I felt like that she really sort of humanized him, and he was really, I mean, he did not, I thought that, I, I didn't, I don't know, I didn't notice what you were talking about, although I can see after you say that, that yeah, there was some stuff, like, um, maybe there were some influences on her that weren't so wholesome there too. But I kind of liked that part of the book, and I sort of liked it that I thought a lot of people in the book really did have growth and character development instead of just being the same person all the way through the book. Um, I actually agree with you, Deb. I think that Cassandra did really have an influence on Nigel because he ended up telling... um, he told somebody, um, well, I don't I don't have a harem anymore, and I don't do this anymore and that. And I have a theory that it has to do with Cassandra. And I, got a, I don't know. I have a feeling she comes back. Or, or It'll be really interesting to see how these next books go. Um, because I just have a, a theory, but I don't know how to explain it. Um, but I do think that Cassandra is definitely involved in that. And I, I really think that when he married her, when I first met this guy, if you will, Nigel, I I thought he had no compassion. I thought he was just, oh, a sex-crazed whatever. And in this book, when he married this girl, she was basically drugged to marry this other guy. And 
I don't remember if it ever really told why or how he came into the picture, but I really thought that he had a lot of compassion in that instant. And um, and then I was going to say something else, and I don't remember what it was, so I'll come back. Yeah, I thought Nigel seemed more mature in this book. I think at the beginning he was married to somebody when he before he took off for the void, and I remember him mentioning monogamy too, which is quite shocking given his behavior in other books. And this book had less sexual content than a lot of the other books did too, which I thought was fine. Um, I agree with the people who said the revolution, there was too much revolution story. I I didn't like any of those people, especially Sylvestra. Sh- Sh- I'm not sure I'm saying his name right. Um, I didn't like that storyline too much at all. I liked the other storylines much better. I thought that could have been shortened a bit. Um, but, and Evan, you mentioned that it's a prequel, and I, I'm surprised to hear that because at the beginning he meets with Paula, and he also talks about Melanie. And so that happened, I think, in the Commonwealth Saga. So is it a prequel to the Void trilogy, but after the Commonwealth Saga? Yeah, that's what I read. That's what I read. But at the beginning of this book, they're talking about Inigo's dreams. So... I'm confused about where it is in relation to the Void trilogy. It's obviously a sequel to the Commonwealth Saga. It takes place many hundreds of years later, but and you can see the timeline at the beginning. Um, but uh, where it is in relation to the Void trilogy, though, that's what I'm a little confused about. Uh, because Inigo's dreams, they apparently got them all. Remember, they went on that secret mission early on in, in the uh, this book, and they got them all, and so it's if it's not a, I don't see how it can be a prequel if he got all of Inigo's dreams. Um, so if it's not a prequel, and if, if, then it makes a little more sense to be a sequel. But yeah. I don't know. I don't know because they don't mention any of the other vo- characters of the Void, like um, Araminta and you know those her whatever. Um, they don't mention her at all, and that would have been a pretty. But by the way, this is Nigel's clone went into the void. Uh, he's still married. He's the remember they talked nearly end. She tells Cassandra that she'll meet the real me. See, he actually dies at the end when he detonates that quantum buster in the forest when he's trying to do to rip open that flaw in the void and try to make it disappear. Um, but yeah, he oh he stopped having the harem and stuff before um, you know he met Cassandra, but. That was it, one other point, though. It was too bad about Sylvester, but it was kind of predictable. Um, I mean, you could see his paranoia just going and going throughout the book, and by the end, he, you know, it doesn't surprise me at all that he became world dictator. Now that we're going to have to another, we may have to endure another whole revolutionary sequence in the second book to get rid of him. So we'll have to see what happens there. Well, and that revolution thing went on so long. Some of that confused me. I forgot who was who and which side was which, and. Uh, Oh, the robot was working for which was a robot. I, that that kind of got confusing sometimes, and yeah, I could see him becoming a. It, that was really sad. I can't believe he put his wife in jail. That was that was awful. I, that's that's ah, that was sad. So yeah, I think we might have to endure another revolution in the second book. I don't know. I wonder if he lost if they lost track of what he's doing. Because, you know, 
all his books seem to be extremely long. I wonder if he he lost track of what he was doing from what you guys are saying. That would be interesting. I don't you know what I think I think the void in the Commonwealth through this whole time sequence somehow get together or something like that. I I don't know. No, I don't buy, I don't believe uh, Hamilton loses track because I mean the Commonwealth saga those books were quite a bit longer than this and um he kept it together pretty well and in the Void trilogy which is three books they're each shorter than Judas Unchained and Pandora's Star, but together they're about as long, I guess, as the two books. I don't think he loses track. I just think he doesn't always... I think he knows it all, but he doesn't always remember to tell his readers so that they can keep track. I really think that's what's happened, because he doesn't He doesn't actually contradict himself or put in inconsistencies in the story. He just doesn't always remember, I think, to tell his readers... Or, or to to make sure that they have everything straight. But I think he's he does a really good job of keeping track from what I've read. Well, having not remembered anything about the Commonwealth trilogy or Commonwealth books or anything, it, I think at least in this book it seemed clear to me that the Void and the Commonwealth were kind of at odds and the whole mission of... of um, Nigel was to get rid, if not get rid of the void, then at least get the people out of there that should have gotten out or should have been able to get out of the void. Um, I hope I read that correct. That's what I thought Nigel's mission, overall mission was. And I don't know. Nigel is one of my favorite characters, at least as far as as sticking to his mission goes. I mean, the 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 um, the clone of him, anyway. Um, it's kind of hard to remember because, as I said this past month, I read so much stuff. Although I read the last 45 or 50 pages of this book yesterday just to get a handle on how everything wound up at the end. Well, remember, if you forget the plot of something, you know, I didn't check this, but Wikipedia has a plot line of every book, you know, it seems like every book I ever check, they seem to have a plot line. So if you if you forget uh, something, you can always go up there and look it up, and I'll bet you'll find it. Um, complete with spoilers, but since you read it, it'll just bring back you know your memory. But I will—I have to say, um, the void is in conflict with the Commonwealth because the void expands, and they didn't make this explicit in this book, which maybe he should have, and he probably maybe he will in the second book. But in the Void trilogy, which is Sherry's right, it might have helped to read that. When it, when you go back in time um, and recreate, like they did in this book, only Eddard in the Void trilogy went back much further sometimes. All of that is recreated, and that energy has to come from somewhere. That energy comes from the stars that the Void consumes. So it's always expanding just a little bit and a little bit more and a little bit more. And so that's why they're worried about it, you know, expanding out into the Commonwealth and taking the Commonwealth space and eventually the galaxy, ultimately. Um, so, but they don't really explain that much in this book. Um, uh, that's what the Rael are doing there um, to try to figure out what to do about it. Though a million years seems to, you know, you think they'd have an idea by now, but they don't. 
Anyway, um, that's pretty. That's a pretty long. That's pretty long. Yeah, and and I was uh, and Lissy said, and I agree. I was I was hoping to see Ozzy in this book somewhere, and I'm an Ozzy fan. maybe we'll see him in the second book. We didn't see him much in the Void trilogy either. We saw him a little bit, but not that much. But then, so I'd like to know what he's up to. Yeah, I was surprised not to see him as well. I was kind of looking for the, forward to seeing him too. Um, now, okay, we got Snow. And are they all kind of going together, or are they all different? What's that? I lost part of your... There's the Commonwealth Trilogy, there's the Void Trilogy, and now there's this Abyss Beyond Dreams. How is the... It seems to me from what you're... I have not read anything um, except for the books that we've read, and this one... How are the Commonwealth and the Void trilogy and this one different? The Commonwealth saga was just two books, the Pandora Star and Judas Unchained. Uh, they were both longer than this book, though, each one of them. Um, they take place hundreds of years ago. Remember the Starflyer and the Primes? And, and then the Void trilogy comes up later on, either before or after this book. I think it comes before, but... Um, Oh, uh, what do I know? Uh, but anyway, um, the Void trilogy is has some of the same characters. As I said, we see Ozzy, we see Paula, Mayo, we see some new characters. And then this book um, is, you know, in the same... Is They're all in the Commonwealth, okay? They all take place in the Commonwealth. But the Void is a new thing that they mentioned. He didn't mention it in Pandora Star and Judas Unchained, so he apparently thought of it later, because, you know, we, uh, we don't mention, he doesn't mention it there, but they're all in the Commonwealth. Yeah, I think um, you could read the two books in the Commonwealth saga, and they had a separate plot line and, and things going on there that are totally separate from these books, just some of the same characters. The same with the Boyd trilogy, it's just that some of the concepts about the Void, you learned from the Void trilogy, and you also are familiar with some of the people and uh, the Rayals, I think that's how you say the aliens. You're familiar with those from both the Commonwealth Saga and the Void trilogy. And um, I'm, if I'm, I think, um, Evan, didn't Nigel's daughter go into the Void in the Void trilogy? Um, am I remembering that wrong? I, I mean, she wasn't in this book at all either, and I don't remember her name. It seems like she went into the void, but I don't remember much about it. No, that was Gore Bernelli's daughter, Justine, that went into the void. Um, and he wasn't in this book either. He was, I liked him. Oh, his language was just completely, whoa. His language was just the saltiest of any. But yeah, his daughter went into the void to either get the ship. Remember, they recognized that ship as a rail ship, Macathran, that Eddard lived in and grew up in. And I think they went in to find it. I can't remember now. I need to read those books again sometime soon. I really love them. I really think this this book is not quite as good. I enjoyed it, but but uh, I don't know. Some of the magic is just that was in the Void trilogy for some reason. It just maybe it was the novelty of the Void in those books. But this one it just isn't quite as. Um, I don't know. But I I still want to know what happens. And I and and he's really good with endings. So I. I'm looking forward to the second half, but I just, 
Yeah, I need to go back and read the Void Trilogy. I did those books for Bookshare. I've got copies here that I can read. I don't want to listen to Kristen Allison do them. But anyway, um, they... they um, oh, I wanted to say, the reason why I missed Ozzy so much is because my one of my favorite plot lines in the Commonwealth Saga was the when he goes on the Sylphan Paths and goes mm -hmm. to these different worlds. And that was just a great plot line. Absolutely. Man, that was so cool. Those were good books. I like this book, like Sherry said, because it wasn't sexually explicit. I mean, that was great. Is the Void Trilogy is, um, that the same way as this book, or is it the same way as, the, as uh, um, Pandora Star and Judas Unchained? If I remember right, the Void Trilogy is in between those two, not as explicit as Commonwealth, but perhaps more scenes than in this just this one book. I want to ask a question. I finally can get the key. I don't know why I can't <laughs> get in when you're all talking, but um, did um, um, what's his name now? You know, the guy, the guy that the guy that came down there and everything. Did he? Did he? Uh, Sheldon, yeah. Was his whole purpose? He was back. I mean, he was fomenting the revolution. In fact, that Coolin was an interesting guy who, you know, he had a sort of um, homosexual relationship with Javier, and it turns out that he was a, a, a android all along. I think. So, was Sheldon's purpose? The whole purpose was to get into that palace and get the weapons that he needed to try to destroy the the void. And he went to all that trouble to try to stir, you know, to, to manipulate everyone to have the revolution, overthrow the government. I think so because he knew where the ship he knew the ship had landed there and he knew that the palace was likely built over it probably and so he you know got Kulan to get his, those drones into the palace to investigate to see what was in there I'm not sure that he knew at first but once he did know you know or suspected you know, then he was in, you know, to get the, you know, to get into the palace. And the revolution was basically just a cover for that. Yeah, I don't think Nigel planned the revolution, because I think that would have happened anyway, given Sylvester's feelings and um, his girlfriend, I can't remember her name right now. I was surprised about Coolin too, and I think maybe Nigel planted him in town and, um, you know, to find out stuff, and then the revolution worked vantage. Yeah, that was I. That I didn't expect that either. I never. I, <laughs> that's the thing I like about Peter Hamilton is he's got some great twists and turns that you really don't expect. It's like, whoa, where'd that come from? So, uh, yeah, um, that was interesting. That whole cooling thing. It was kind of sad though because Javier didn't anything. You know about the guy, and when the guy basically left him, he's like, "Whoa!" Well, you know, early in the book, they were talking about the fact that there were three of those uh, androids, and one of them was Kulin, and the other two were the two that stayed on the farm. And I kind of had forgotten about it until the end of the book. He did a masterful job, I will say, of kind of. Um, making you forget that, even though you do it, which was pretty remarkable. But um, I thought all three of those androids actually 
were some of the most sympathetic characters in the book. Yeah, I agree. And for a long, for a while, I thought I was just getting the names mixed up and Kulan, and I thought there was some other android with a similar name, and I didn't associate that he was an android because I just thought it was a different name that was similar. But I agree, those androids were very sympathetic characters. And I also, somebody said earlier about Cassandra, I liked her too, and I thought she grew up and she'll be a strong woman, and, and maybe Nigel wasn't the best role model for her, but her life was certainly better than what it would have been had she married that other, you know, um, knuckle-dragger that she was supposed to marry. And I think that she really, you know, there was a real affection that developed between she, her and Nigel. I, I, I had misquoted his name before. I mean, I think they really, you know, I think he really was quite fond of her and gave hope that they would meet, uh, you know, if not, you know, even if he was destroyed, his original... Would, would wait for her when she when they, when she got when they finally were able to get out of the void and return to the Commonwealth, which is uh, a good way to lead me into saying that I have no idea in the second book how even if they find out where they are how they're going to get to the Commonwealth and b how the Commonwealth even if they ever figure out what happened to them how they're ever going to find them. Because they're in between galaxies, hundreds of, well, we don't even know how far, but they're obviously between galaxies. And that's hundreds of thousands of light years or more, a million, a million. I don't know how they're going to find him. This is a mystery. I'm sure he's figured it out already, of course. Uh, but I sure have no clue. And I'm looking forward to see what he, how he does this. Yeah, I think if there's just one reason why I'd want to read the second book, that would be this particular thing, because I I found it interesting that even though it ended pretty satisfactorily and things kind of got you know, wound up and and, and uh, satisfactory ending to this book, that was the one thing that was left wide open was, well, when the big explosion happened then uh, you know, a whole bunch of them got kicked off into space and who knows where they are and stuff. But, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if, if what happens. And as I said, it's probably going to be the only reason I read the second book because <laughs> uh, I was really pretty tired of all these characters by the end of this book. I thought, well, you know, it just it just went on too long. But at least the second book, I have one reason to read the parts of it that I'm going to read. Number one, I'm going to definitely have to read the Void Trilogy. Number two, and yeah, I'm going to read it on Bookshare. Yeah. And number two, has the um, the other books haven't come out yet, have they? No, there's just one more. The second half of this, tri- of this uh, gee, now you got me doing it. The second half of this duology has, I don't think it's come out. I checked Amazon every so often, but I haven't checked for a few weeks. It might be on, it might be out by now, or it might be pre-orderable. Uh, I will look it up um, after the meeting and see what I can find out. Um, but uh, as far as I know, it's not out yet, and it seems to be taking a while. Uh, in the ending of this book, there is a section from the second book, and in that little part it says it'll be out in sometime in 2016 so it's definitely not out yet yeah it said summer i just heard that go you guys i forgot about that i'm sorry i'm tired 
Yeah, and I meant to check out the music too, and I forgot. I've got to, I've got to try. Um, I got to look that up and see that because that sounds like something I'd, I'd like. I have a lot of that kind of music on my hard drive, and uh, I think I might like to get that. Well, I hope Laura is a main character in the next book. At the end of this one, it sounds like she was starting to um, start a sort of an industrial revolution, and I, I hope she'll be a main character in the next book too because I did like her. I wonder if the Industrial Revolution was a um, general reaction to them getting out of the void. Because remember, technology was not um, one of the best reasons to be in the void. A lot of it just didn't work. So I think that as a result of uh, all those people getting out of the void that the Industrial Revolution naturally started. That's just a thought that I had when I was reading it. Well, they knew about technology, so they had a leg up to accelerate things. They knew, you know, where they came from. There, there were still, you know, they had some knowledge of where they came from, um, you know, the Commonwealth. So, you know, they knew what was possible and what they could, what, you know, they weren't starting out like, you know, we were a few centuries ago with no knowledge of, you know, where they, you know, previous technology or anything. It's interesting that the uh, rulers use the name Captain, which I suppose refers back to the original captain of the, of the ship that, that crash-landed there. Yes, and I think that, like, the guy that was killed at the end of the book, instead of, what's his name, that was the head of the revolution, um, I think that he is the actual descendant of the original captain. That was the impression that I got. At least he is from that family. That's what I thought they implied or said straight out at some point, that he was the descendant of Cornelius, the first captain. Yeah, I think he says that at one point. So, yeah, that makes sense. Um, Mary, something you said, they're, um, they're still in the void, right? I mean, they're not out of the void yet. No, they're out of the void. They're between galaxies. Remember it said when the, the void doesn't do anything by halves, it, it threw out the part that was trying to damage it. When he detonated that... Uh, quantum buster in the forest and it and it threw out the forest with them uh, remember they're still getting the fallers in the epilogue and uh, yeah it's, that's how they're able to have airplanes and radio and stuff that didn't used to work in the void uh, yeah they got tossed out of the void and into intergalactic space so how are they going to find their way back or how is the commonwealth going to find them that's the mystery in the next book plus how they're going to get rid of Sylvasta hopefully wow I totally missed a paragraph somewhere. I didn't realize that. I thought they were still stuck in there. No, well, you it, 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 it's actually easy to miss because it's right after the um, explosion, you just kind of go into this <laughs> to this other part, and, uh, oh, there's the followers, and this is what happened to Slavesta, and, it, yeah, it's easy to miss. Well, um, for somebody that has read the little bit of the second book, Am I mistaken, or was it talking about the original captain, and it was a flashback to the original landing of the spaceship on the planet um, that was being discussed in that? In which case, how is that? It's almost like the second book is a is a prequel to the first book or something. I'm totally confused about that. No, no. the The first, the beginning of this book is the is the, when they landed on the planet. Though we didn't actually see Cornelius land on the planet because Laura and the, that shuttle crew went to the forest, and so they went back in time 
before, so that's why they didn't see the ship uh, land. But um, no, there's an epilogue at the end of uh, this book that talks about, um, you know, uh, Dimitri and Cassandra, or, you know, he's got his observatory and he's trying to, you know, find out where they are and, you know, they have the radio there and they, the airplanes, you know, there was a fall and the airplanes are going to go destroy the, the eggs. Um, yeah, that's, that, there's no, um, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure where the confusion comes in because I didn't see a beginning of the second book. I just see an epilogue and then there's a, there's an information about the music and then there's, you know, other books by this author and about the author and that's it. There's, there was nothing about the second, there's nothing here that talks about the second book. Yeah, there was, I was, I think that's what's. If I were to turn my book on right now, that's what would be up because I was listening to it for a couple of minutes and I thought, you know, I could better be spending my time doing something else since I'm done with the book itself. And it sounded like it, I'm almost sure he was talking about that Cornelius guy. Yeah, at the end of this book, there was a section that was an excerpt from book two, sort of a sneak preview or something. I didn't read it because I thought, oh, I'll just wait till the book comes out. But there definitely was an excerpt in my download. Yeah, I got the same thing. You have to keep going because uh, even though it's his epilogue, when you're thinking that the first book is done, it really is not done. Um, you have the epilogue and you have all about the author stuff, and then at the very, very, very end, after all the music and the this and that, then there is a section with the second book uh, portion in it. So you just have to keep going with it. Mm, I may have to report that because uh, I I don't uh, I didn't see it. I kept turning my wheel and then it ended at the end of the about the author. Uh, that my BRF version. Uh, I'll have to investigate that because if, if there's parts missing, I actually reported a quality issue about another book that was actually withdrawn by the publisher because part of the BRF file was missing. It was in the beginning uh, about the contributors. It was a book of essays, and several pages were missing. Um, so I will have to investigate and see about that, because I didn't read an excerpt from the second book. Darn it. Yeah, I definitely had the audio version, not the BRF version. Yeah, I had the BRF version. Uh, there might be more than one version of the book out there, because that's what happens if if something publisher quality gets in there and then there's still a, a version that somebody um, created and it's excellent um, that's happened with a lot of books I notice it depends on which version you get um, there's a Windows 10 missing manual that was uh, reported to have some stuff missing from then from that and apparently not accessible but thus far I found it pretty good so I guess you know, it just kind of happens. You've got too many publisher-quality versions floating around of some of this stuff. And some people get one version, some people get another version, and there's no way to know which one is really the correct one. Yeah, there are three versions of the Night's Dawn, most of the Night's Dawn trilogy books from three different publishers on Bookshare, so I know what you mean. I'll have to go up there and look around. But we probably better start talking about our next book soon. Um, one One very short thing before that. I noticed that somebody mentioned that they were tired of the page numbers. I don't remember the page numbers in my version of the book. And I used the Daisy Audio 
and I didn't hear a page number anywhere. I did. I, I downloaded the Daisy Audio, and I think I remember heard page numbers. I think generally in the Bookshare books you hear page numbers being read. Yeah, that's really interesting. It does sound like there's a lot of variation in different versions. I downloaded the audio. I think it's Daisy. It's I just select audio, and that little drop down, and I had page numbers too. I, I agree with whoever said that they're distracting. I, I think they're distracting too. I'd rather not have them. You know, um, I don't think I remember the page numbers. I don't know. I listen to Learning Ally books, and I just kind of forget the page numbers after a while. You you get, you know, you you start reading, and you know, I I just they they didn't they they wouldn't bother me. I read the Braille BRF version, as I said, though apparently it was not a complete BRF version. But um, I, I like having page numbers because it tells you where you are, and I mean, most people have page numbers in their books, and of course we get Bookshare gets more complaints about books not having page numbers than books having them so unfortunately uh i don't know uh but uh yeah we uh this publisher did give us a book with page numbers uh but a lot of them still aren't but they're getting better about it but as far as being distracting i don't know i as i said i i listen to learning ally books and they don't they don't bother me at all it may have to do with how engrossed you get in the book because, like I said, I wasn't—I was having real trouble with what little I did read. Good point, Marshall. I hadn't thought of that. Should we discuss our other book, whatever that book might be? I think we were pretty much decided on Bowl of Heaven for this next one. Of course, people could change their minds or whatever. You know, it just depends. But that's what we were talking about reading this month. I agree with you exactly. That's I think. We should do that. And, and Mary, you mentioned there's a couple books you mentioned recently came on board. I don't remember which one it was. One that I thought, thought was interesting, which I added to my wish list, but I can't remember what it was now. But be something to talk about for maybe another down the road a bit. But yeah, I would I would go for the bowl bowl of heaven. Yeah, it's shorter. It's on Bard. Uh, I don't know if it's on Bookshare, but um, yeah, it's only eleven hours and something. I think. I don't know where Bard is in getting the sequels. What, what are there? One, two sequels now, or what? It's just one sequel. Um, I have the Bookshare version, I mean the um, Audible version. I think that narrator was absolutely excellent. And the Audible version, I got it before all that account got messed up earlier this year. But um, the Bard version's all right, but I don't think they picked the best narrator for that. I'm I'm pretty sold on the Audible version, but you can probably get it... I don't know if that was an audible production or not. It might have been, um, but that's the narrator that I that I prefer. Um, <clears throat> but the the uh, sequel of it is Ship Star, S H I P S T A R, and it's I think it's equally as good. It has more aliens in it, and you kind of get the impression the aliens have. Um, hostile intentions, although it doesn't seem to be so at the beginning and all that. But anyway, the uh, Bull of Heaven is the first one, and it's pretty much in a universe that Larry Niven would create. You know, it's a big thing out in space, and there are explorers out exploring it and and amazed that the thing is so huge, and there are all these aliens and stuff living on the rim of the bull and all that kind of thing. So who's the author of this book, and how many books are in this series? Is there just two? There's just two, 
It's, uh, I believe, Niven, and I forgot the name of the other one, even though he's really famous, and I can't remember his name. Um, I can't remember his name, and I saw it at the beginning of the book. Uh, it's Larry Niven and Gregory Benford, and the book is a little bit longer than I thought. It's about 12, hour, 12 hours and 36 minutes. Uh, and I can play it for people if they want to hear the dust jacket stuff. I do. Go ahead. I mean, unless anybody else doesn't. 412 pages. Approximate reading time, 12 hours, 40 minutes. Hold on, let me get that. This book contains markers allowing direct Hold access on. to... I, at level one, the cast of characters, book terms, prologue, parts, and acknowledgments. Okay, let's see here. And at level two, the chapters. Okay, here we go. Library of Congress annotation. An expedition to another star system is jeopardized by an encounter with a bowl-shaped structure half englobing a star. It contains a habitable area equivalent to millions of Earths. The explorers are separated after landing, and one group is captured by the bowl's inhabitants. Some violence and some strong language. 2012. From the book jacket. Benford and Niven redraw the horizons of wonder once again. A human starship crew overtakes an immense bowl-shaped structure hurtling through interstellar space. Cupping a star to itself, the bowl moves by using the star's jet to propel itself toward the same target star as the humans. A landing party reaches the vast lands of this spinning world, only to be captured. But some escape the gigantic inhabitants to seek answers as to what this place means. Who built it? Where? When? Why? Their discoveries transform human understanding of our universe and imperil our destiny. About the authors. Ooh, that does sound good. And Mary, Audible, 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 I'm going to get Audible. I I have Audible. I'm going to get the Audible version of the book. Yay! Yeah, it's in two parts. It's uh, Each part is six hours, so make sure you get part one and part two. <laughs> Otherwise, you're going to miss half of the book. And I don't know if they ever really figure out why the thing was created, but the how of it is kind of interesting. Um, I don't remember how much of it is in the second book and how much is in the first book, but the first one, it really is worth reading if you like investigating uh, and imagining what some of this stuff looks like. Um, that, to me, is kind of worth the whole thing. It might be descriptive, uh, a bit too descriptive for some people, but, but generally it's it's a mission of exploration is what it is. And if you like Niven's way of doing things, you're probably going to like this one. But then there's no way to tell you know, who likes what, because, well, you know, we all just get different impressions of this stuff. Well, if it's not too bad, if it's not too much less good than Ringworld, then I'll be very happy with it, because that's one of my favorite books, and it's it's exploration, and it's great fun, and, I mean, your imagination can just roam on these huge mega structures, and, you know, you can't even explore a tiny percent of it in, in one book, and, uh, you know, the rest of it's just out there, and you can just imagine what else might be on it. Um, so uh, I, I think it'll be a lot of fun. So, Bowl of Heaven, it is. All right. I will, unless anybody disagrees. Looks like the next date will be December 10th. Yep. Our next meeting will be on December 10th, 2015. Uh, so, uh, and our book is Bowl of Heaven by Larry Niven and Jerry Pornell. And uh, we'll see you all next time.